Well, good morning, church. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Keith sent me three dates that he needed someone to preach. And uh, I picked the last one because I thought, no, I want to see what Sarah and Tony are going to do first. And then I, got, I think I got a nudge from the Lord that said, you know, like, you're retired, they're not. One works shift work, the other one is busy with his NBNing and whatever. So I said, but I'm flexible. So here I am. And uh, a couple of things that, uh, that come to mind was um, you've got to get people's attention. Now this shirt really doesn't do it, but it's close. Yeah, it's getting close. And uh, the other one was, um, well, a fellow had a, a, a guitar and, and he had it in one of those raised pulpits and he tuned it and got it all ready, put it down and then somehow he kicked it and it bounced all the way down step by step and then slid out on the floor and he thought, that got their attention. <laughs> so the other one was humour. You've got to get a bit of humour into things. And, and, of course, three points. So you've got to have point A, point... And alliteration. So everything's got to start with an R or an L or... A, yeah, well, forget that. I couldn't work it out. But there was a lady who had been over to Afghanistan as a missionary uh, several years before the Afghan conflict... And she noted that women customarily walked five paces behind their husbands. And she recently returned and observed that some women still walk behind their husbands, despite the overthrow of the, the regime there and, and the changes. But they seem to want the old custom and they still walk behind their husband. So she approached one of the women there and said, why do you seem so happy with an old custom that, that you once tried desperately to change? And the woman looked at the missionary and, and she said two words, landmines. <laughs> and the moral of the story is, behind every man, there's a smart woman. <laughs> All right, so we got that out. Sorry? <laughs> okay, so we got that out of the way. All right, now, I was going to preach on the 23rd Psalm, but someone that you may, you may know, called Bert Bunny, stole my sermon. No, topic. And as you remember, he did a wonderful job on it a couple of weeks ago. But you will know that we, Helen and I, have one of our sons who had to go to Brisbane recently uh, for his fifth shoulder operation, and he was extremely anxious over it. Oh, man, it was, yeah. At, on the morning, it was a Tuesday morning, he had to fly down to Brisbane, and at 33,000 feet, with his phone on flight mode, he got a devotion through on his phone. And it was, pray without ceasing. 
And we spoke to Tony on sound about it and he said, oh, possibly it came in as a download earlier in the morning and then just at a specific time shows up on your phone. Well, I don't know. We took it as a bit of a prompt from God that we didn't pray you know, without ceasing for Michael, but we put two more words to it. We said, don't give up. He said, pray without ceasing and don't give up. So thank you, Harry, for reading out our, our Bible verse this morning. In First Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I just want to um, remind you of a fellow that was on a, on a voyage and he had been reading a, a, a book and it was called The Imitation of Christ. It was John Newton. Sorry, yes, John Newton. And a couple of things stuck out in this book. And it was a line that he read, it was uncertain continuance of life. And that sort of pricked his conscience a little bit. And he came across... Proverbs 1, 24 and 26, and it says, Because I have called and you have refused, I will also laugh at your calamity. And that was the catalyst that kicked him in to say, I've got to get serious about God. Now, remember, this is a fellow who was a slave trader, and he wrote Amazing Grace through his conversion. And he and a fellow called George Whitfield, a fellow you may recognise the name, John Wesley and Charles, founded the Methodist movement. And George Whitfield was an Anglican evangelist and it was amazing that he was capable of commanding thousands of people on two continents by the sheer power of the way he spoke through the Lord. And in his lifetime, he may have preached 18,000 times to perhaps 10 million people. And when you think of today's technology of reaching people, it's amazing that this person was able to reach so many people. But back in the 19th century, a group of men headed up by John Newton met once a month for theological discussion and they addressed one theological question every month. This was one of their questions for one month's discussion. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? And they really were stumped. They batted around for about 45 minutes and couldn't come up with an answer. And finally, a maid walked into the room and was serving the morning tea. And one of the ministers casually said to this Scottish maid, 
Maybe you can tell us what it means to pray without ceasing. And she said to them, Oh, sirs, that's no problem. When I get up in the morning as I clothe myself, I pray that the Lord Jesus might clothe me with his righteousness today. When I came down here before you men came and I dusted the furniture, I prayed that he might cleanse me from the filth of my soul. And when I set up this food and this drink for you, I prayed that the Lord Jesus Christ might be my meat and drink unto life eternal. So, sirs, I I just kind of pray my way through the day. So that's just one way to explain pray without ceasing. Now, praying without ceasing could mean one of three things. And I'm not going to say I've got three points, but you take it or leave it. First, it means there's a spirit of dependence that we should strive for. This is the very spirit and essence of prayer. So even when we're not speaking consciously to God, there is a deep abiding dependence on him that's woven into the heart of faith. In that sense, we pray or have the spirit of prayer continuously. The Bible has the the phrase to walk in the spirit. And to walk in the spirit in Greek is prepateo. And the way to explain it is to have a constant, persistent walk. And it's a walk that will actually work out a worn path of the person praying. People can look at them and they can see that they are praying. And this prepateo means that you've actually worn a path that other people can see and are people seeing that you are walking a path toward Jesus and his living water. And this is the living water that was mentioned to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. She said, you know, you want to draw out water from this well, but you should be asking me for the living water. And that's what praying without ceasing can mean that people can understand that you are seriously working along this path backwards and forwards to the Lord second and this is what I think Paul has in mind praying without ceasing means praying repeatedly and often. And this isn't to be confused with the warning of Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. But we can base the use of the words pray without ceasing, where Paul says, for God is my witness, who I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you. Now, we can be pretty sure that Paul didn't mention the Romans every moment of every day. 
but he prayed about many other things as well, but he mentioned them over and over and often. So without ceasing doesn't mean that verbally or mentally we have to be speaking prayers every minute of the day, but we should pray over and over and often. Our default mental state should be, oh God, help me to do whatever you need to do, or God, help them, those people, to do what they need to do. Thirdly, praying without ceasing means not giving up on prayer. We don't ever want to come to a point in our lives where we cease to pray at all. Don't abandon the God of hope and say, there's no use praying. God is very jealous for us to learn this lesson. One of the parables is introduced by the words, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He knew our experience in prayer would tempt us to quit altogether. So Jesus, along with the Apostle Paul, says, never lose heart. Go on praying. Don't cease. And we don't have to pray long prayers full of biblical quotes with an abundance of these, thous, and henceforth and the like. Some of the most powerful prayers found in God's word are short and to the point. Short, heartfelt prayers, passionate prayers, accepting our fallen nature, accepting the sin that Jesus took from us to give us an entrance to God's throne. Prayers that can call out from the bottom of the pit of despair and depression. When we look through the Bible, it's amazing how many short but powerful prayers jump off the pages. And it's not an exhaustive list, but it'll give us an oversight that will show us the vast variety of people who needed to converse with God because of their plight. Has someone got the prayer of Jacob there? Genesis 32, verses 26 to 30. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So Jacob had the courage to ask for a blessing. And this is just one example of what we should have the courage for as well. Not just pray for a wonderful day, pray for all the people of the world. Pray for a blessing. Now, someone has the prayer of Jabez. 1 Chronicles 4.10 Jabez cried out to the Lord God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, Pastor Keith preached on this a few months ago, the prayer of Jabez. 
And uh, I've come across it a few times where people are uh, encouraged. Th this was a person who was in his older years, I believe, but it's such a short, powerful prayer for his borders to be increased. And I'll be free from pain. So he may have had some infirmity that was holding him back as well. But what did it say? And God granted his request. Now, Jabez had no plan B. It is to God that the prayer for blessing is directed. Jabez had no preconceived ideas on what the blessing would involve. But were we to pray the prayer of Jabez, even as short as it is, we could add Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So we pray that prayer and it's going to be answered exceedingly and abundantly over what we could have any conception of it. Now, are we courageous enough to ask God to ex ex um, increase our boundaries? to accept the challenges and the responsibilities that go with it. Someone has the prayer of Samson. The prayer of Samson, Judges 16:28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Now, you'll remember the story of Samson. He, uh, sorry, he squandered God's blessing on his life in order to please Delilah. But Delilah was by, used, being used by the Philistines. Judges 16.5 says, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each of us... Each of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So it wasn't just 1,100. It was each of the people there that was involved. It had been said time and time again, follow the money. So Samson prayed for one more chance to redeem his unfortunate choice. The prayer of Jonah Jonah 2, 2-9, he said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed has wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. 
But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. So this is the same Jonah that had chosen not to follow God's instructions and go to Nineveh. Yet when he obeyed, the whole city was spared. Prayer of Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. So the question is, have you or I prayed that prayer? To be willing to step up when God called. What we need to understand is that should we refuse, God will choose someone else. The job will get done. But it's you or I who have refused that miss out on the blessing that goes with it. Prayer of Gideon. Judges 6, 36 to 38. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And as and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Okay. So then Gideon said to God, Don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and that all the ground was covered with dew. And what I found intriguing about Gideon is that just prior to this prayer, he was told to break down the altar of Baal and burn the Asherah pole beside it to offer a sacrifice on the new altar Gideon built for the Lord. And in verse 27 it says, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did what the Lord told him. But he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, so he did it at night rather than the daytime. So this shows how timid he was, but he still had the courage to ask the Lord to wet his fleece or to leave it dry. And it shows, it reinforces the power of God to change the people of the nature of people so that God alone gets the glory. David's prayer. Psalm 25, 4. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. So this is King David who's writing here and he held the power of life and death over so many people. David is a giant killer. Yet he's asking God for guidance. 
for his learning and understanding of what God wanted to do for his life. This is part of a slightly longer prayer, but it can be seen as a cry for help that we would be able to use in our hour of need. The Disciples' Prayer. Luke 11.1 1. one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Then he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not in temptation. So we've already, we've already mentioned that God is jealous of us and our prayers. He doesn't want us to give up. And here we have his disciples who are walking with him, seeing the miracles, asking him to show them how to pray. And the prayer of Jesus. Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine. Jesus' prayer. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So if Jesus prayed a prayer like that, we should be seeking God's will for our life, but be prepared that he may not take that cup away from us. He may want to strengthen us by taking us through something, not around it. And the tax collector's prayer. Luke eighteen eleven to 14. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat on his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I added this prayer of the Pharisee as a warning that we can have the wrong motives when we pray. We must guard against pride sneaking into our prayers and Jesus dealt with this prayer swiftly and surely to show that the outcome is what uh, what the outcome would be should we allow pride to rule in our lives the tax collector's prayer was also dealt with quickly but the outcome was to bring commendation not condemnation But there's one prayer that uh, it just rocked me when I, when I came across it. It's Luke 23, 39, 43. To set the scene, it's the day of the crucifixion. Christ is on the cross and either side of him 
is a criminal. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. You're under the same sentence. But we're being judged justly, uh, punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now this short prayer was at Calvary, as we mentioned. One hill, three crosses, two outright criminals, the other sinless, not found guilty of any legal charge. The first two were there against their will. The other willingly facing death on a cross. One sinner blaspheming Jesus, the other sinner rebuking the other criminal and then offered up a nine word prayer. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Just nine words. Nine words that put on hold everything that Jesus was there for. Jesus could have looked at the criminal's past history and said, you're condemned by them, I'll condemn you as well. Yet Jesus heard those words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then he uttered, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This person wasn't a member of a church, hadn't been baptised, didn't tithe. He hadn't given any thought of his eternal destiny until this very time that he hung on the cross. And that was why Jesus came to this earth, to rob hell of every soul he could. Just stop and think for a minute. The sinner on the cross, now this is important. The sinner on the cross was the first person to be saved by the blood of Christ. I just, I get tingles when I think of it. And all because he uttered a short prayer. I'm also reminded that you have not because you ask not. James uh, 4 verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. Matthew 7, 7 and 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Now the other thing, I did a little bit of study with Pastor Don 
quite a long time ago when Dawn had hair. And he always said, you've got to have a takeaway. Now, that's not McDonald's or Hungry Jack's. But here's a takeaway. There's something that, even if you forget everything that we have mentioned previously, you might remember this. There's a farmer and his wife on the way shopping, their monthly shop. And they're driving down the road and the car just stops. So he's able to pull off the road. What do you do? Get out, lift the bonnet, see if something's come adrift, see if something's leaking, whatever. Couldn't spot anything. But then he noticed a big limousine pulled up on the other side of the road. Big black limousine, beautiful chrome work. A fellow with a black suit and a cap on gets out the front door with a chauffeur, opens the back door, and out steps a fellow in a suit. So they walk over to the car, and the fellow in the suit says, What's going on? And the fellow said, oh, I was just on my way shopping with my wife and the car stopped. Never, never let me down before. So the fellow takes his suit coat off and hands it to the chauffeur. And he says, do you mind if I have a look? And the farmer says, I can't see anything. Go ahead. He said, look, you just sit in the car and I'll give you a, a nod to tell you to try and start it. So the farmer goes back to his car, sits in there, he hears tinkering around in the motor, and the fellow says, Right out, give that a go. Um, started beautifully. So the farmer's scratching his head, he says, well, I don't know what was wrong with it, but look, thank you so much for stopping, but who are you and why did you stop? And he said, My name's Henry Ford. I built that car. I don't like to see my cars when they don't work. Now, that story may not be true. I don't know. It's a good story. But doesn't that give you some idea of our gracious Lord that he doesn't want his creation broken? He doesn't want to see us in a state of despair and he's given us the opportunity to put our bonnet up and that probably means putting our hands together and asking him can you come and fix it and we can do that at any time and as many times a day as you can. So pray without ceasing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the love and the compassion, but we know you are a just God. We know, Lord, that we stumble and we fall, and you would be just like Henry Ford, who doesn't want to see his creation broken you'll call out. We will call out to you and you will come and help. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name.
Amen.